So this is the word of God according to Colossians chapter 3. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you uh, also must forgive. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. So be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing song, uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we all say, Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So good morning. Uh, if you can tell, uh, we have started the year in a couple of ways. Uh, uh, primarily, uh, this idea of our posture in worship. And so the graphic's a little simple, but I think it really kind of speaks that uh, our worship should go up, right? And so all of the things that we should do is to grow larger and acknowledge who God is. But then we should also see another arrow in which we are to humble ourselves. And so in reverence and in awe of him, we actually should become lower. And then so today is our last week talking about our posture of worship. And so the arrow is simply side to side. So do me a favor, look left. And you just got each other's profile, right? Uh, then look right. There you go. You can look backwards if you want. Like here we are together. You're in a room together. And so as we look up and as we fall down on our faces before the Lord, we have to realize that we are in time and space and we are here on Carroll Creek Road. We are in a gym and we are with other people. And so part of our posture of, is actually seeing and believing that God has called us here now. So we've been asking a simple question. It's like, does the Bible say anything about our physical posture in worship? Hopefully by now in week three, if you've been traveling this, there is a resounding yes in your heart because you, you've seen over and over that this physical posture that we have, it matters to the Lord. And so what we've said is that worship is holistic. He's come to our mind and our hearts. He's spirit and truth. And these are the things that you cannot see. And yet in our obedience to the Lord, there are things that we can actually see out in front of us. And so we've used this word as holistic because we know that at the very beginning of our story, God has created us with a physical body, right? He's the one who imagined hands and feet and faces, right? arms and voices. These are his idea. How, also, not that we were just created in likeness with a body, but we know that our Savior, the second person of the Trinity, came, right? And he lived among us. The scripture says that he dwelt among us in physical form. He too had arms and hands and legs and a voice. 
And so if we are in his image and likeness and Jesus himself came, right, to dwell among us, realizing that when he comes back for us, he will come in bodily form that we need to understand truly, is that this idea that our worship should be in line with this idea of a body. Does that make sense? And so in just a quick review, what have we done, right? First, we looked up right? We made ourselves larger, right? And we looked at all of these passages over and over and over that were more expressive in nature. So we looked at passages that had you and I standing before the Lord, had you and I clapping before the Lord, you and I shouting and lifting our hands in praise. And we talked a little bit about may or may not, that may or may not be an uncomfortable motion to us. And so we pressed in to say this idea of, are we willing to meet the Lord where he has uh, guided us? Or put it another way, are we willing to obey the commands that he's given us? And so he says one way that we can posture ourselves before the Lord is this idea of standing and clapping and growing in exaltation of who God is. And so we did that. And then we practiced it. Remember that very uncomfortable day where I made you all stand, raise your hands, right? And it was wonderful and good. The next week, the, you know, last week, we did the opposite. We scoured the scriptures. We looked at how we too could obey him, not just in our expressiveness, but also in our humility. We looked at King Jesus himself, who humbled himself, who did not take the form of God, but lowered himself. And so we looked at passage after passage instead of expressiveness that had us bowing down of, or being still or kneeling down or even the most humble of truly being face down before the Lord. And at the end of that service, I too then encouraged us, not just with our expressiveness, but also with our needs to turn that little chair of yours into a kneeling bench, a prayer bench. And for us to see ourselves or feel ourselves falling before the Lord and what he has done for us. So there's a third arrow that we think is important and found in throughout the scriptures. Um, but in the passage that we've read already, we think that there are other words that talk to the people to your left and to your right the people that were before you and after you. And it's this idea that we are together. Time and space, real personalities, males and females, people from all over, literally the world, assembled here together. And we can't ignore the fact that we are only just spiritual people, but we're real people experiencing realness. Every once in a while, God has asked us to truly bump into one another. So it's not just our cares and our needs that are at the front of our mind. But maybe, just maybe, you are here not for yourself, but maybe for another. But the reason you're here is to hear someone or discern something for someone. And so there's another arrow, side to side, where we have to acknowledge that we are in this together. 
And so in our passages, or in our passage this morning, you'll see the word all and the word another. This idea that we are one body and that we are together. So with that, let's look back at Colossians 3, 11 through 17, and let's reread it with this in mind, that we are in this together. There is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, an enslaved person or free, but Christ is all and in all. And then he tells us, Put then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness and humility, meekness and patience. Look at this. Bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, which is plural. So you must also forgive. Above all these things, put on love, which binds everything, what? Together. In what? Perfect Harmony, you're starting to see it. So let the peace of Christ rule in your, which is plural, hearts, in which you were called, what? One body. There's an encompassing where there's a circle around us and we get to do this together and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell, dwell in you, which is plural, richly. Teaching and admonishing, singular or plural, one another and wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and thankfulness in your, which is plural, heart. And whatever you do, word or do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So now you see this progression or this idea that it is vertical. We are to grow. We are to bow, but we have to recognize the people that God has allowed us to be with this morning. So thank you. Man, all right, here we go. So first and foremost, we have the word all, okay? This idea of all. There's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, enslaved person or free, but Christ is all and in all. This is important because God over and over and over tells us that the church gathered the church assembled, right? These things that we are doing right now, that this as much as a body as anything else. We are many members, but one body. We're also called the bride of Christ in which we see kind of the wedding party analogy. We also see that there's a household of God and that we are a building, meaning there are all kinds of different parts and yet we are gaining something stronger together of our delighting in the Lord is the assembly, the idea that we are all together. This passage, though, in particular, is probably as much negative as it is positive. If you notice, just in just the quick context, is there's probably some divisions. And so you are Scythians, right? Or you are the uncircumcised, or you are the barbarians, or you are the slaves. Maybe some of you are free and we are all segmented as we're sitting with our own people because we're all like-minded. And what Paul is telling this church of assembled people is it should not be among you for we are all together. And so yes, there's rows and segments. Yes, you came in in family uh, units. But when we are here together, there's something more at play. 
than just your own devotion with the Lord and your own seeking the Lord, but it's other people that come into play over and over and over. So oftentimes in today's society, we love to segment ourselves. We love the niche markets in which we are trying to isolate ourselves or become unique, right? That is how we get more followers. That's how we set ourselves apart, right? Is to be above and beyond or the shining star or a little bit different. And yet Paul says, even though God has made you different, when we get here, all is what matters. So there's a thing in English, right, that is very confusing. And so, Ms. Neji, I'm sorry that you had to learn English. It's an impossible language. Juan Carlos Sevilla Chavez, I'm so sorry. So there's these four little letters that come together. It's the O-U-G-H, right? It's very simple, right? And yet, when you learn these things, Right? When you look at these things on paper, it should all be the same. There should be universal um, uh, uh, translations. However, when you say the word cough, the O-U-G-H sounds more like off than anything else. And that's not it. That's not the only rule, right? It goes on. So then rough sounds like ugh. And like you, could just, you could read the chart, right? But this is an interesting chart here that there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's eight different pronunciations of the word O-U-G-H. And so why do I bring that to our attention this morning? Is that yes, we are different. For sure. Some of us are ahs and uhs and ups and all those types of things. But when we come together, we're just an O-U-G-H with very different things. And yet together we are, we can make up. And so let's look at our diversity, but let's not see the diversity is a thing that totally separates us, okay? And so here's the quote. So God doesn't intend to mold the church in our image. That's our preferences. Those are the things that we prefer. Those are the things that we like. Instead, what is Christ doing right now? He's trying to bend and form, right? And make us in the image of the crucified and then the risen Christ. This is what we get to become over and over and over. Genesis 2 tells us something fundamental about the human experience. He looks to Adam and he says, you are not meant to be alone. How often do we look at our worship service and it's about me, myself, and I. So often we walk out of rooms like this and we're like, yeah, I didn't get anything out of this. What Paul is doing is pressing in on us and is saying there's something bigger at play. And what John gives us in Revelation is a fulfillment of this dream and this desire of Paul's. Revelation 7 says, after this, I looked, and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count, every tribe and tongue and nation, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried loudly, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and is the Lamb. This is the picture, every tribe, tongue, nation, all loudly 
crying together that our salvation belongs to God alone. That's what we get to do together in all things. We've got to move on because there's, there's four of them. All right, so the word another then pops up. This idea that bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So again, this is a, probably a more uh, negative passage than positive. First, there's division among you, and it should not be. And then, how you are acting, it should not be. Don't you know that you should step in and offer forgiveness? Why? Because you have been forgiven. You should bear with one another. Why? Because this is the way of Christ Jesus. Gathering together with God's people is messy. I don't know why we thought any differently. We have an entire New Testament of one mess after another. It's going to be the same in the year 2023. Gathering with people is messy. Why? Because we're involved in other people's messy lives. How many people can look back, back at the last seven days and go, squeaky clean? Boy, you should have been at my house. Like, no, no can do. And so then when we get together, we then expect it to be squeaky clean here. In fact, there's something supernatural going on in this passage. There's something so supernatural, you cannot do it yourself. You need the grace of God and the Holy Spirit himself to do these things. You can't bear with yourself. How many times you can't stand yourself in the way you act or the people you live with, much less the extended family, and yet Paul presses in and says no divisions. Instead, you come together and you bear the differences. The thing that drives you crazy about the person sitting next to you, that's the thing that should drive you to one another. Bearing one another. It is so impossible. And yet, in the same way that we're all sitting in one gym together in four walls, we're in it together. Your mess, my mess, all of our mess together. Oftentimes, we think that conflict is the thing that should drive us apart. Because that's what the world will tell us, right? Is that when we are in conflict, the only conflict is to make us weaker or to drive a wedge or to pull us apart. Yet over and over and over, because of what Jesus has done, has given us the ministry of reconciliation, he actually says the opposite. He says the church of Christ, finding its purpose in Christ, underneath the strength of the Spirit, says that in conflict we actually grow stronger and closer. And our bond will be a bond of peace, not preference. Let me say that again. That our bond will be a bond of peace, not preference. And so if you are at odds with someone in this room, what have you done about it? This scripture says nothing about sweeping anything under any rug, does it? It says to bear with one another. Do you know what it means to bear, right? To hold, to come underneath pressure 
or wait. This is what we get to do. For ourselves, no. For someone else. And it's impossible to do so, and yet we get to do it over and over and over. For the last three years, our, our world, right? Blame it on COVID, I don't know. But for the last three years, right, all we've done has been at, in, in conflict or at odds with one another. The church of Jesus Christ have, has leaned more toward preference than this idea of 2 Corinthians 5, this ministry of reconciliation. Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, whatever your, your New Year's resolution was, maybe you were here today because you've failed to realize that there is a line that connects you with someone else. And maybe you've dodged a hard conversation or maybe you've run from some kind of conflict. Maybe you have pressed, pressed in on someone else to, to fulfill all of your needs and the expectation is too high and they really will never be able to achieve that. What can we do to bear with one another? And if there is a complaint, what will you do? And so that's the challenge this morning is not if, but when it comes. It likely would have happened this last week. Not if, but when. So go ahead and press in on that because where is it? At the, at the end line, where is at the bottom line of this is this idea of love which binds us together in harmony. That's something that's stronger, not weaker. That's something that's more beautiful, not something that's grotesque. That's the body of Christ Jesus, right? It's not just wallflowers. It's not just like a Ferris wheels, right? That's the different reality. It's instead when the heart gets really hard, we act in a supernatural way. Then there's more. There's one body, right? This idea of body language. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Peace is another word for conflict. Because it's two things that are opposed to one another, actually able to coming and being together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body. You were called to this kind of horizontal, face-to-face, real-life, life-on-life, messy ministry. If you thought that worship was only private, you are wrong. Your worship makes its way into public, and they both have to exist. So this idea of body is this, this wonderful, beautiful imagery of what Jesus Christ himself prayed the night before he was betrayed, the night before he went on trial, before he was um, put on the cross, before he was crucified. John 17 tells us that he's praying his heart out. He's pleading to the Father. He's asking certain things. He's wanting to find himself in line with with, um, with the Father, and yet there's this really amazing moment in which Jesus Christ, before all of the tragedy began, he starts to pray for you, and he starts to pray for me. And you know what Jesus Christ is praying for us, is that we would be one, even as he and the Father 
slave, free, barbarian, juke, Jew, Greek, prisoner, free, over and over and over. Find ways in which you can separate yourself, and there are plenty. And yet in the body of Christ Jesus, there's something that Jesus Christ prays for us more than anything else, is that we would be one. Are we fighting for unity? Are we fighting for peace? Are we fighting for harmony? The question is no. Instead, we feel like we can walk it alone. We can just kind of do it our own way as if the whole world acts that way. It's not. We understand that things are supposed to be together, right? That's just how the world works. And so with just a little levity, right, and a little, there are things in your day-to-day life that cannot happen without themselves. So for instance, if you are eating and you're eating with chopsticks, you can't eat with just one, right? You need both of them, right? They work together. So why are we opposed to that? All right, so if you are a hockey player, you're supposed to have both front teeth, right? They go together. And if you're missing one or the other, it's a problem. Now, this is for John O'Kaiser, right? I don't know what I'm talking about. However, and then lastly, if you are Princess Leia's buns, she's not known for one top bun. No, it's these comic-looking things on the side of her head. This is what the world should look like in the, in the person of Christ Jesus, that we are together, that we look to one another and so say, I need you. I am ill-equipped without you. Man, my life could be so much more enriched with you. And so we are together. And so then the gathering, then the gathering where we are all here on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and we just have driven literally from Bristol and Mendota. We've moved here from Austria. I mean, just all of these places and yet we find ourselves here together and what should we do? Let the word of Christ dwell richly, uh, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs. Um, uh, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts together. And whatever you do, it, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him together. And so when we are gathered together, there is word ministry that we all sit underneath. And so we do that together. There is an admonishment. There's an encouragement. There's being able to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. There's, or there's this teaching and admonishing that we sing in unison with one another. That's why we have a song sheet. That's why it sounds beautiful because everybody is singing the same, same song together. But then there's also thankfulness together so that in everything we are doing this over and over and over again. This idea of doing it together is very different than doing it all by yourself. Going back to COVID, we all went to like this virtual reality where Zooms took over and we were even worshiping in our own living rooms or, you know, on our smartphones. But we forgot that these things of hearing each other sing, going to the Lord's table, being all 
in the same room together. That is what we were missing. And so worshiping Jesus together may be the single most important thing that we can require of one another. The word is there and prayer is there, right? But other people are also there. Here's what's strange about where you sit versus where I sit. You really have no idea what's coming at you, do you? The songs have been picked for you, right? The key has been picked. Um, even the way that the chairs are arranged, the passage that's going to be preached, you just kind of, you kind of sit. And that's a beautiful thing for our own hearts and minds. Because we want to be the master of our own ship all the time. And so simply to sit and receive and to be on the same page is a wonderful and beautiful thing. Martin Luther would say that he found corporate worship power and it would awaken his spiritual fire in a way that the home or the house, that no warmth or vigor could happen. And so what should we do with this? We come together, together in this. And we obey certain things that we cannot buy, uh, obey all by ourselves. Colossians 3 tells us that. And so we had an old rhythm where we ask ourselves certain questions and we all answered very similarly. And so this morning, there's going to be a couple of liturgies that we're going to go through together. So there's three questions. Is the Father with us? And then you get to answer that. Is Christ among us? Right? You get to answer that. And then is the Spirit here? And you get to answer that. We then get to say, right, the posture of Jesus was amazing. That Christ has died, he has risen, and Christ will come again. We will then go on a journey together. Similarly to the other weeks, but we too are going to sing a song or pray a song together. First turn our our seats into a kneeling bench and to, to posture ourselves there down. Where they're going to stand, right, in our second posture and to praise God expressively. And then I'm going to tell you or ask you to actually hold on to somebody, right? To go across an aisle or to your neighbor and hold hand in hands, right? Arm in arm, right? Girlfriend, boyfriend, lock, whatever you want to do, whatever you're comfortable with. Right? And there's, you know, there's no legalism here, but we would encourage us that we will do this together. Does that make sense? Okay. So really simply, all right, by the way, you, you're in the, or the bottom half of the answer. Okay, I'll, I'll ask the questions and you answer. Right. So brothers and sisters, is the Father with us? Yes. Is Christ among us? Yes. Is the Spirit here? And so let us all say in one voice that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. So if you are comfortable and if you are able, we would encourage you to turn um, your chair into a kneeling bench and a prayer bench once again this morning.
So Father, we will start here on our needs in humility before you with a confession in our hearts and a willingness to repent of our own personal preferences when it comes to worship. God, we pray this morning to forgive us in any way that we have brought division on your body, your bride, your family. Forgive us this morning. So Lord, if there's any one name or group of people that comes to mind that we need to take the the strong and supernatural step toward peace and reconciliation, I pray that you lay that name on our hearts now and give us the strength, the supernatural strength to step into a hard conversation. But God believing in our heart of hearts that peace and harmony is at the end of these things. Our song that we will sing together is turn our eyes on Jesus. So in a place of humility, where are your eyes this morning? Second stanza tells us to look full at his wonderful face. the prayer that we really pray, Lord, that the things on earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of your glory and your grace. We ask this in your name, King Jesus. Amen. So what I would encourage you, if you're comfortable, to go ahead and stand back on your feet. And in any way that you want, uh, any expressiveness that you want, and just kind of a purity and stripped down version, instead of turn your eyes, we're going to sing it in the plural. And so in standing and any expressiveness you want, from bowing to our knees to standing, raising our hands, let's sing this together. Turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look full at his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strange. Leading in the light of his glory. So let's do that together. So find somebody to hold on to. So grab a hand, grab a shoulder, 
hold on, go across an aisle, it's okay. There's no Scythians or barbarians, no slave, no free. Oh, Andrew Becker felt guilty. He was like, a, and I got to work the clicker. All right, here we go, y'all. Turn our in the name of Jesus. Amen.